Hello and welcome to the Red Leaf Card, your home for Canadian soccer news and views. My name is Jacob. Today we have a special guest on to the show. And he's the vice president for media and content for One Soccer and the Canadian Premier League. And his name is Christian Jack. Usually fans call him KJ. Nice to having you on the show. Jacob, absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Really looking forward to the show. Nice to having you. And lots of drama um, and lots to talk about for, might be for Major League Soccer, for Vancouver Whitecaps and Toronto FC. And we could also talk and also recap for the Canadian Premier League, which was a fantastic season for the Canadian Premier League for Forge FC and Calvary FC. So Vancouver Whitecaps with LEFC, which was a lot of drama with basically with the referee blocking Alessandro Schoff, which I might be kind of uh, correcting that uh, pronunciation with his last name. And I I know like lots of fans are always going to talk about that maybe it was the referee's fault on this side, but I think that reviewing that vi uh, replay on the referee, I think that the referee did not know that he was he was going to hit that um, player. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jacob. I mean, it's it's crazy in this world of um, sensationalism, how quickly things can spiral out of control, particularly in the world of social media now. So, um, you know, the game is played on a Sunday night. It's near the end of the game. Vancouver need a goal. Um, the guy goes to take the shot. But as you can see, the referee actually notices the ball is coming in his direction and just starts to run away from the ball. And he, he didn't see the player that he collided with that you so accurately just pronounced really well. So like ultimately I felt bad for the referee at that moment, but I think the key thing came right after it where the white cap still retained possession. Uh, and, and I think it was the defender Veselinovic at that point still had possession. So ultimately the ruling states that if the, if the referee touches the ball and gets involved in the game, then he instantly needs to blow the whistle because he is the one who obviously has to blow the game dead. So it doesn't become a, you know, a, a favorable option for either side. So he decides at that point, I got out the way. I blocked the player's shot. Okay. That affected the, but the white caps love the ball. And so he let it play on and then they lost the ball. And then LAFC took over and, and went down the field and then the madness starts, right? LAFC score a goal that was eventually given offside. People are on the field. The the coach of the Whitecaps gets sent off. And so it was a bit of a perfect storm that I felt a little bit sorry for the referee, who, by, by the way, had already awarded a penalty. A little bit controversial to the LAFC earlier in the game as well. So the Whitecaps and Vancouver already weren't very, very happy with the referee at that moment either. So it was a difficult moment, I think, for the ref. I felt sorry for him a little bit. I think the reaction was was a little bit, was far too over the top for my liking. I don't know what you thought about that. But um, ultimately, uh, I, I saw people saying it affected the Whitecaps this season and cost them getting through. I think that's a little bit of a reach. They didn't actually score a goal in the game. Well, as noticed, the first match, it really didn't do really well for Vancouver Whitecaps. It went 5-2 in, in that match, which basically I think that LEFC had a great, great team that had the biggest advantage in that, ma in that match against Whitecaps. So you're going to have the second match most likely as noticed, it was going to be at home. I think that it was going to be the advantage for the Vancouver Whitecaps, but the whole the whole drama came in with the referee, and then it after after the match, you have the the coach for the Whitecaps now jokingly saying Timmy Ford, which is the referee. Like saying uh, death, uh, death threats uh, of it, but he's basically saying that it was a joke, and he had to make a statement about this in in the press. I really uh, think that he was wrong 
of actually making a press with the referee. And yeah, it, it was really um real confusion in that match. And then you have notice LAFC now in the next um, round in in this. And I really think in that match will will there be an investigation with the coach with Vancouver Whitecaps in this um in that match. And that's that's something that the major league soccer might actually have to investigate and i've noticed that the the unit for for the referees also didn't take this kindly for that and this is something that some people should not um take this uh, actually negative for for the rest and i know that referees have to be in this uh, atmosphere of really negative um, words. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you made a great point in terms of the wording professional. Ultimately, the Whitecaps are expecting the referee to be professional, but I don't necessarily think some of the behavior was that way. Um, I I do think that there will be something, some repercussions for Vanni Sartini in this, in this issue. Um, he later apologized. He made a joke, as you alluded to, about... Um, if the referee's body was found, people might think it was him. People in the press conference were very adamant that it was a joke. And of course, it was <clears throat> not serious. Um, you know, the magnitude of the wording that he would alluded to would say that it was certainly a joke. But the fact that that image was even put out there, I think, was a little bit disturbing um, as well. So I, I don't think that that would be the right thing for coaches to say. It also came on a weekend where... I don't know if you remember this, but there was a big moment in the English Premier League where Arsenal were very unhappy about a ball that looked like it might have been over the line and maybe not against Newcastle. And Mikel Arteta came out and slammed the referees as well. So it, it's a difficult moment in the sport where VAR and the officials uh, and people like coaches have a almost a self-entitled view of being the most aggressive people in the game that can say certain things towards people. And I certainly don't like it. It doesn't settle well with me. Uh, and often when teams lose, as both these teams did, we're talking about here, 1-0, there are often other reasons why they lost that game rather than the fact that it's just that major one decision, as you alluded to. They, they lost 5-2 in the first leg, and I don't think they really deserve to win the tie against um, what was a better LAFC team. Yeah, so I, I know that um, this time that Vancouver Whitecaps should actually um, now finally know that um, Vancouver Whitecaps, they are already now in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, as noticed that this is more now important for them because now it is, it is that time that Vancouver Whitecaps are actually a better Canadian soccer team. And they do. And I think that Vancouver Whitecaps could actually do really well in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And I think it, it could go on maybe like the semifinals. But they do have, and, and they have to take a better better route of, of tactics in, in that uh in that continental championship, it's now now that time that they shouldn't focus on what happened in the playoffs. It's now the more competitive uh, aspect at this time. So, what do you think about uh, about this? Yeah, I mean, I think again, what you said about the Concacaf Champions Cup is really important because. The Whitecaps have become the best Canadian team in Major League Soccer. And the way that they played in the Canadian Championship the last two years has established them as that. Now, we can talk about how problems they've had in MLS and maybe not matching up with the best American teams, but it's hard to remember a time in MLS when the Whitecaps have been the undisputed best Canadian team uh, and the way that they played the last two seasons. So I think that's a great point, Jacob, that you made about 
going into CONCACAF and representing Canada and what a chance they have because they have been good in cup competitions. Vanni Sartini has, has pl- I think, planned really well in cup competitions for his team to p- to play at that level. And now in this new revamped trophy, uh, this new revamped, you know, CONCACAF Champions Cup with a different way of a different path, it's more of a knockout football style. I think they have a great shot, as you alluded to, but... Those kind of things like that on the weekend, it, it it lets them down a little bit, and I think I think there's people asking questions about whether they can get that true, that that true next step up that the White Cups fans deliver and, and, and deserve. Because it was great to see, you know, thirty thousand people there at BC Place. That was pretty tremendous to watch. Yeah, and it's really growing in at the, at uh, of Canadian soccer. I think that it's getting there for. Of of Canada soccer, it's really actually growing, and it it's now getting the popularity that hey maybe there is a market for Canada soccer, and maybe there's a popularity for having a Canadian soccer league at this point, and now as mentioned that. Yeah, the Vancouver Whitecaps, during the past, of they've been in the playoffs. And I think that it was 2017, they were also in the playoffs. And who won, uh, and even who won the cha- uh, championship for for that uh, year was Toronto SC. Yeah. And, I, and now you're seeing a lot of how it goes but now there are struggles with uh, I, I know Club de Foot Montreal is always having struggles of making the playoffs it's not really doing well but now you're seeing Toronto FC having struggles with fans and how how they're doing it it's now it's not it's really a big mess how it is and we we know that the whole drama in with Toronto FC when they were in the in the Canadian Championship, it was not. It was not even. It's not how professional fans act, should act like at this point. Now we're seeing. Now they're going after Bill Manning that he should he should get out, and we know that it's really not professional for I know it's always the fans view of who should get out but we've noticed that the whole whole drama with yeah uh, with a fan that who who threw the megaphone to Anthony K now he's with uh, New England Revolution and now you you have Lorenzo Asigne and Bernardeschi. It's with the whole drama with the coach. And now they have now enter head coach, which was a former TFC player. Right. Terry Dunfield, yeah. And now you have you've signed a you signed a coach who who was a coach for for the national team for the women's and the men's. And now people are people are still still asking some questions for for Bill Manning to resign and this is something i do question a lot the whole managing for Toronto FC yeah there's a lot of difficult moments at the club uh, undoubtedly um i think first of all Passion is a good thing. It's good that people care. Um, it's not good when you see, as you alluded to, people throwing things. I mean, that goes above and beyond everything that is acceptable. Uh, but when you have actually a fan base that still care, you can see the comments flooded on social media accounts. Um, I think they should be quite thankful that they have fans that still care because the worst possible thing is apathy. And when they don't care anymore and they don't want to spend the money on tickets and they don't watch the games on television and they don't care whether you win, lose or draw. I think that's the concern. So at least they still have a fan base who care at the moment and they're lucky. 
uh, because 10 years ago, they had a fan base that didn't care because they didn't no longer they no longer had that victory in their mind. Like you said, they won in 2017. So that carries a lot of weight. People are are loving that feeling and they're chasing that feeling again. So they're willing to suffer and sacrifice through the difficult moments because of they because they won. Um, but that can only last so long. And as you alluded to, this is this 2024 season is imperative that they get it right. They absolutely have to start turning the corner and climbing up the standings and becoming relevant and fun again. And people enjoying going to watch the games because Jacob, as you alluded to quite rightly, I think right now um, they are they are in a mess. And you'd argue that this is probably the lowest moment they've had as a franchise. And trust me, they've had a lot of low moments as well prior to the, the fact that they won in 2017. Yeah, and, and right now, this, uh, this season, right now their whole... The whole uh, stats, four wins, 20 losses, 10, 10 draws, and their goal differential is minus 33. This is not a good uh, good season for Toronto FC. And it is a question for uh, for what what was the whole, what was the problem? Was it the roster that didn't align with the with the coach of Bob Bradley or they, they really didn't care that much if it was the, or if it was the coach that didn't live, it's a spectacular expectation of being a, uh, having that, um, that objective to win games. Yeah, and, I think for me, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think for me, right away, the mentioned you mentioned the players, right? The, the top two players, Lorenzo Insigne and Fernando Benedeschi, you pay them so much money that they have to deliver, they deliver on the field and off the field. And if they're not delivering on the field, why not? And what are they doing off off the field to be to in, to inspire? Like twenty seventeen is the point, right? Sebastian Jovinko, Michael Bradley. Josie Altador were the three highest paid players and along with Victor Vasquez were the three best players and the players that carried the team to win big games. And if you paid the money in MLS like you are when you paid those players, these players, Benedeschi and Insigne, they're paid money like their first liners on the Leafs. And why is, why is that important to say? Because the ownership group is the same. So they're paid so much money um, and yet they didn't deliver. And so that sends a really bad example all the way through. Uh, in my opinion, to to from top to bottom, and yeah, and I, I feel like when we saw that that they were uh, paid a lot of money, like Lorenzo Senior and Bernadeschi, it it was like they didn't want want to actually play the like they were that they were a hundred percent at this point, but. When we had Javinko in Toronto FC, like it was, he he played really professional as his best. At at it, Victor Vasquez, even you had everything. The whole roster played like it was their last, and that's the feeling that oh, that was the contract. Uh, that was everything that they had. And now you have what you bought, Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Sini. It was like, well, that was. I don't feel like playing uh, playing the sport anymore. It, and now you have Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Sini, like transfer rumors that they might go somewhere else. Yeah, I think ultimately you asked what the biggest problem was, and I think it's in recruitment. And I think when you recruit players at the highest level at MLS and you only have three DPs, and if you're willing to spend so much money on those players, they have to be more than just top players on the field. And you have to get to know them and you have to know, are they willing to be leaders? Are they willing to sacrifice? Are they willing to do everything possible for that city and for that team and for that fan base? That's what Jovinko did. Jovinko was built differently 
he had that drive inside of him. He wanted to win every single game. You could see it on the field. And that's why he was so likable and why fans loved him. And you don't see that with the body language of these other two players. Yeah, and even for uh, even I forgot to mention Josie Altador, which which he was always which he he made the first goal for the finals. As noticed that he he was um he was like he was the hero for for Toronto FC that won the MLS Cup and he was a such a sensational uh player f- during 2017 i and now he's no longer playing for Toronto FC but still fans treat him with respect and now J- you see Javinko still free agent as notice um he played in Saudi Arabia he and now he he won a championship for for Asia and for Saudi Arabia he was the M- MVP there and i i i think that we did have really good talent during 2017 Josie Altador Sebastian Javinko and now you have Michael Bradley retiring now based and now with Bob Bradley in Norway. So it's we we feel like that 2017 was the time that was basically the great great roster for Toronto FC and it's it might be the time. It might be that uh, year. This year uh, was we had the wrong signing of players, and it's like a. It's like you're stuck with something, mm. and you can't get out of it. It's. You have you would have to sit, and it it's like that time you 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 would have to transfer players to find a new player, or maybe or maybe from the reserves squad, and it it will, and the fans need to know. Just like from start from two thousand seven, it took a long time to to get a better and competitive. It'll get more better in the next coming years of the season. It has to, right? It has to. It doesn't. I mean, can it get much worse, Jacob? I would ask you that. Like, how much worse can it get? I mean, you would hope it would get much better. But as you alluded to, they still can't just transfer the entire squad and bring a whole new squad in. They've got contracts. They can't move players. So I think you're right. It will get better. But I think it's going to be a little bit like pushing up a big boulder up a hill and you're not going to get to the top of the hill for a while. Or if, even for the, that, that um, social media that went viral of Lorenzo Senior trying to go uh, 300% and not that much, uh, not much of the media was actually going there. And it, it felt like the, I know, I know. You know Gareth Wheeler, who um, mentioned about this that the soccer media didn't mention that that it was decreasing. I don't see the media that's paying attention to soccer media is decreasing. I I still think that it's still growing at that point. I I think that Gareth Wheeler went off about. Talking about Toronto FC when, when I was mentioning about Lorenzo Signe's uh, talking about with the media that who's gonna put up three hundred percent, but that pic- picture really said words about it. But there's a there's a lot of people that don't go to in person that much, but they go on on screen. But it does paint a picture if. If it actually looks like that. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. 
it wasn't ideal and it and it is very difficult to see how different it is like Toronto FC used to have a lot of press conferences in November and a lot of us used to go and it, a lot of it wasn't great um but now it's very different and um you know sportsnet camera was there not necessarily any personalities TSN were not there it's a changing world, no doubt. And uh, for those who are covering the game, you get you just have to understand that a little bit more, and and just keep working harder because you can, you know, find that road to cover it. Yeah, and I I really hope I hope Toronto FC comes back for upcoming season, and they they fix uh, they fix the roster and who they will recruit for it, and and see how it goes for the upcoming season for 2024. But I would say to the fans, but uh, that always been, always been uh, hating on Toronto FC. You're still going to have, you're going to still have the world cup being hosted in on your field in 2026. That's, that's something to, to be um, appreciated that, where Toronto FC is going to be, that has been playing. You're going to have Canada, like Jonathan Osorio, that played for Toronto FC. There's a lot of a lot of players that are from, former Toronto FC players. So I I feel like that Toronto FC fans should be appreciated about. Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot to be positive about. Like ultimately, as you said, the appreciation is still there. The team is there. Very exciting that we're going to get to host World Cup games in 2026. Um, but the fans have to understand that the team is in need of an incredible amount of change and it's going to take some time. And when you're a fan of a team, and I cover the sport of soccer in this country, so I'm not a fan of Toronto FC, but I am a fan of a lot of other clubs and a lot of other teams in different sports. And I know that when my team doesn't win, I'm not just going to give up on them because it's ingrained in you in your heart. And, you know, as I said earlier, win, lose or draw, that's sports fandom. And it's a good actually example of what life could be like. It can teach you a lot of lessons that it's not always going to be great and you're not going to win every week and you're not going to be the trophy, lift the trophy every year. And TFC are fortunate that they've had that. Um, and they're going to have to wait for a while now to get that back. But I do think if they are patient... Like you said, they have the resources. They have a lot of things to like, but they spend a lot of money. There's a lot of things to be positive about with them, but they have to get to a point where during the journey of being patient, they also continue to find their voice because I'm a big believer that fans are allowed that um, and hold people accountable as much as they can, players, executives, clubs in general, to get better. Because if you're not thinking about the fan and what they're spending the money on when you're building a club, then you're not thinking in the right direction anyway. So you have to look towards them and maybe the fans can certainly look towards the the, the club to, to to join them in unison. Yeah, if yeah, I agree with that always. And if if fans uh, don't like uh, don't like um what Toronto Toronto C is performing, there's as noticed. There's always the Canadian Premier League, and see what it is. I know some fans, like for example Hamilton, people that live in Hamilton go to Toronto C games. Um, some of some of them in the Greater Toronto area that as noticed um, that live near where York United plays still don't even know that there's a uh, there's a team just nearby them but and the Canadian Premier League we do have a first division uh, Canadian soccer league and hoping that some some Toronto FC fans actually wait uh, know that there is one but there's always the Canadian Premier League for 2023 to talk about how it went as Forge FC is the playoff winners and Calvary FC is the regular season winners and they will be in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And I feel like those two teams are the right ones to be in there. What do you think about that, uh, Christian Jack? 
Yeah, Jacob, I agree. I think ultimately they were the best two teams in the season. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure that CONCACAF have given two berths to the Canadian Premier League. How how great is that? You know, imagine it was only one. Um, it's great that, that we have both to go at it and develop the stories and benefit Canadian soccer, uh, that they get two spots in that. Um, and ultimately, as you alluded to, it's two different rewards. It's Cavalry, who obviously play out of Calgary, who won the regular season by 13 points. And I'm a big believer, as probably you are, being a big football fan all around the world, is that that league title is real significance. It's the culmination of a work of over five and a half months. And so to reward somebody to win that, I think is very important. And it cannot just simply be, okay, you're the top of the league now and you're ranked number one to go into a separate competition where we're going to play knockout football and then we're going to decide who's the best team. I think the fact that the Canadian Premier League has two trophies, two honours, two spots um, is great. And as you alluded to, Forge winning the fourth title from the playoffs in five years is a phenomenal achievement. Um, Bobby Sminiotis as a coach deserves all the credit that he gets. And I, like you, I'm really looking forward to seeing the draw on December the 13th uh, to see who Forge and Cavalry will get in the CONCACAF uh, Champions Cup uh, come February. Yeah, and but in the Canadian Premier League, there has been some changes of the trophies that you have a reg regular season trophy, which was the which was the regular uh, shield, regular season shield, which and now you have the North Star Shield becoming the North Star um, Cup. So that was a lot of reactions from the fans. So. What was your reaction of how how it actually looks? I think they made the right decision. I think ultimately, um, prior to this, they had the Shield, which was the winner of the playoffs, and they didn't really recognize with a trophy the winner of the league. Um, and I think they've made the decision now to have two new trophies. Is It is the right way to do it. Ultimately, we certainly hope here in Canadian soccer that this league will be living a lot longer than any of us, right? So in a hundred years, you have to go, okay, we look back at this year in 2023 and go, that was the year where they made sustainable change. And that was the year where the cup and the shield were, were, were born into existence forever. And hopefully that will be the case. There's no need to change it now. Um, and I think the Canadian Premier League, has struggled a little bit for consistency and trophies and playoff things as they figure out their their way in their passage of where they belong in Canadian soccer. Um, it's great, as you mentioned, there was a lot of reaction and passion is always good, but this is the right thing. I don't think you can just stick to something that existed because it existed uh, if it wasn't the right thing. I think you 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 should be you should be okay to to make change if you think that it and you know that it's the right change. And rewarding a regular season winner with a trophy is the right thing to do. Rewarding a playoff winner with a cup, I think, is the right thing to do. And you've got the differentiate, diff, diff, you know, the differentiating now from the cup and the shield. And as I said, I think for decades to come, that will be the way it should be. I think Mark, the commissioner Mark Newton did an excellent job of the trophies, as known as Atletico Ottawa actually won the regular season. I, I don't really, th and it was a banner. Everyone, everyone knows, but I always question, did they get the regular season shield? And that is, that's the question mark for, for, for uh, the commissioner, if they're going to get their uh, regular season shield. I think they will. I think they'll get them retroactively. Yeah, and so uh, we can recap all. all, uh, all of, so the the regular season, uh, I could also. So, uh, what are your thoughts on on how Forge FC's performance uh, they did on the regular um, on their season so far? I mean, ultimately, Forge, I think, admitted that it wasn't their best season before the final. <laughs> Uh, they only won four of 14 home games. Uh, they struggled at times to get, you know, runs, unbeaten runs. They struggled at times to score crucial goals. 
um, arguably their best player of the season. I think he won the players uh, player of the year from their fans. And he certainly won goalkeeper of the year at the league was Tristan Henry. And it shows that a goalkeeper was very busy to keep the team in games. Um, he's a great guy. I was really happy for him that he got his, that he got his rewards. Um, but ultimately when the playoffs came around, um, it was forge season again and they knew how to win and they beat cavalry twice. Um, so, you know, there's something to be said about knowing how to win in big games. And sometimes the motivation wasn't always there as they self, that they self admitted that during the season. But winning big games is another thing. And finding a way to win is a very special skill. And they found a way to win. And they found a way to win a game where they were losing in extra time and they came back to win. So uh, every credit, they're, they're able to do that. And as I said earlier, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in CONCACAF. And and not just how Tristan Henry did. I, and Tristan Henry has the um, best... He did one of the best highlights of saves in the Canadian Premier League. And lots of people say that Tristan Henry might be might be a a good goalie to try to do the major uh, in Toronto FC. And people are always uh, saying that maybe maybe Toronto FC should sign Tristan Henry hmm. for for it. And and do you think that uh, Toronto FC should think of signing Tristan Henry? I think they should look at it for sure. I think ultimately the Canadian Premier League is a tremendous breeding ground for players and goalkeepers, you need them to play. Um, and ultimately, if you're going to sign a player, you want them to have played a lot of games at a lot of big moments. So uh, look, he's a local product. They know him well. And uh, look, why not? As I said, I think the Canadian Premier League players, the very top level of players in the Canadian Premier League and I could probably think right away of about 15 um, that could play a major league soccer today. I, I really believe that. Um, and that's without the, the 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 level of coaching that will come their way in, in, in that league. So they can progress and get better. Um, the majority of these players are very young and are not finished products and have the ability to improve. So yes, I do think players like that should be looked upon as, as uh, within major league soccer as players that they could sign. I know um, Calvary FC. It's a breeding ground of of signing players and transferring players to other leagues. So, I think what's your what's your thoughts on Calvary's uh, how they are doing in the Canadian Premier League? Yeah, I think they've done a tremendous job of developing players that can be sold on and not affecting their team too much. You think about the players that they've had at that team. Um, Joel Waterman, who obviously went on to play for Canada, Victor Latore, Gote and Tigny has been moved on. Arabin Pepper went to be signed with Luton Town, who are now in the Premier League. There are so many examples of it. They had Dominic Zator, who they groomed initially and then moved on. Um, and is now moving and playing really well in Poland. So, you'd argue that they have produced the best amounts of players that can be moved on uh, from the Canadian Premier League. And they've never shied away from that. And they've also developed a really good core group that they can stick by. And I think that's important too. And you look at Forge, the difference between Forge and Calvary the last few years is that that middle group of players who are CPL lifers, I suppose now, have stuck with them. And that that's what Calvary are trying to do now. But they're trying to develop that. Marco Carducci and, you know, Charlie Trafford. And, um, you know, there's... You know, there's lots of players that 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 of that example of that realm. So Sergio Camargo, players like that have been there for a while now that can develop that core. So yeah, I think for me, they are an outstanding team and they deserve their trophy that they got this year. And I'm really excited what they can do. In, it'll be interesting though, Jacob, because they be, they look like they're gonna be playing a game in Calgary in February. So um that should be very interesting to see. One, if they can make sure they don't get too much snow, and two. Uh, I think whoever gets to go there as a maybe a Mexican team or an MLS team, uh, they're going to be cold. Yeah, and and see how the pitch is going to be like. If it it's going to be, if it's going to be professional, is like going to be brown. I I know, I know lots of fans are 
are just going to make uh, jokes about where Calvary is playing. And it's just going to be a lot of snow. And and where Alberta is, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a cold area in in, in the month of February. Um, Halifax Wanderers has is been the biggest improvement in this season. Um, and when they signed a former Von Azuri player, actually Von Azuri uh, coach. And and some Von Azuri player, Farron. And what how what was your reaction on Halifax Wanderers um in this season? Yeah, I thought it was a tremendous successful season. Um, but one that they were not satisfied with, which I think was great. Uh they ultimately want to move forward and progress. Uh they almost finished second and they spent the second and most minutes in the league. Um in terms of percentage of minutes being led in the game. I mean, they were on top of games more than anybody else apart from Calvary. Um, their away record, I think, needs to get better, and they will get that the more personality they have. They had 15 new players this year, so they had a change of a roster of an incredible percentage. And this year, we'd expect most of those players to return, so there won't be as much turnover, and which will take them to another step. Uh, and anyone who's not been to Halifax or anyone who gets the opportunity to go to Halifax to watch a game, you need to go. Go to the Wanderers grounds because it's six and a half thousand people packed into this little stadium and sit in the city and the atmosphere around it and the bars and the pubs beforehand and the walk to the stadium through the park and the grounds is beautiful. And um, they believe they they believe in the team that they represent that region. And that's what the Canadian Premier League brings, Jacob, is that what football brings is that they represent regions. You support teams because a lot of it is people like you or wherever you're from, you go because they represent you. And so the, the Wanderers have done a great job of that. Well, I'm actually glad that I saw a match this year at Halifax. And I'm glad that they have announced that of expanding the attendance by 20, 2025 and I'm glad to see more how Halifax Wanderers see um, brings in the the crowd in Halifax and uh, Pacific FC the the island of Vancouver um, uh, which was a coast to coast match and I, I liked how that was a big rivalry for, with Halifax Wanderers and Pacific FC. It was really a great match with Pacific FC, but it was a good it was a drama in Halifax, and Pacific FC did really well, but did not compute in against Calvary FC, which they had a second chance to make the finals. So. Pacific FC, um, what was what do you think about Pacific FC when which were the fourth place team for the season? Yeah, as you alluded to, they there's a lot to like about them. Um, for the first half of the season, they were the best team in the CPL. Fun, adventurous, uh, open, young players like Salouf and Sean Young, and obviously performing very high level. And then they stopped scoring goals. And they started letting goals in that were unfortunate. They had a young goalkeeper that they backed this year in Emil Gazdov. They were a younger team. They were, they were willing to make more mistakes uh, and let them the young players live that. And so they finished fourth because they basically were the seventh worst team in the league in the second half of the season. So look, I think they've got a lot of work to do, but I think that you know Manny Aparicio being a free agent is their best player. And it'd be difficult if they can't bring him back. But you know they're they're a young team, and there's a lot to like about that squad going forward. Yeah, and also Pacific FC was the only the only team that actually won a championship for the Canadian Premier League against Forge FC, Pablo Duca, who's also was the head coach of the year, and now you have a new coach and. I still think that they have the right coach for for Pacific FC. Agree, and I still think that 
Pacific FC does ha have a good uh, competitive team, but they still have to uh, see, uh, find a good good way to win and make it do well. And now you have your fifth place team, York United. A lot of um, drama, a lot of uh, situations going on with York United, and but they they slide in to be the fifth fifth spot for the for the playoffs, which they did have a battle with Atletico Ottawa. We could talk about that after. And York United, what was your what's your uh, response with York United? Yeah, I think most people expected they weren't going to make the playoffs this year. And um, they had a talented roster, just um, almost a group of individuals, though, rather than a team. And I think they would, you know, they had those four home games in a row near the end of the season where we expected them to go on a run and get to the playoffs. And they lost the first at home. Then they lost the second at home. Then they lost the third at home. And meanwhile, everybody else kept losing and keeping them in it. So they got to that fourth one against Atletico Ottawa. And it's like, oh, we still got a chance of making the playoffs. It was almost like, you know, they thought they were done. Um, but they had good players. They had players like Kevin Dos Santos. Uh, obviously, Mo Babuli was a very important player. Clement Bahia was very good. And Brem Samaro, I thought, was outstanding for them in midfield. Um, you know, so they had some really good players, particularly going forward. Paris G had a very good game, another good good season, Jonathan Grant. So they had players there they could rely on. Uh, and in the end, Martin Nash did a really good job as a coach to win that game against Atletico Ottawa late again in the game uh, with another late goal conceded by Atletico Ottawa, as you mentioned. Uh, that was their downfall. We'll get to them, but... York United did a great job and they almost won the playoff game. I was there. They went to Vancouver Island and they lost that one game 90th minute, you know, right at the very end. And they, uh, if they just stayed in that game and they stayed in the playoffs, they would have been a very difficult out, I think. Yeah. And I actually got to uh, see that um, match with York United, York United and Atletico Ottawa. I, I thought that it was going to be a, a scoreless game, but um, as 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 you mentioned, uh, Kevin uh, Dos Santos uh, made made the game winner in the 80, 89th minute. Um, the the it it was a a great match uh, that Kevin uh, Dos Santos with for York United did a wonderful historic goal for York United and. All the fans are gonna recognize that that goal for for York United, and now as known as York United does have a does have a ownership situation. But I've heard sources there is going to it, it could be um, Liga Liga MX uh, ownership, and. And what, and what's, and I think what's your, what's your reaction of there, that source of there could be a um, Liga MX uh, ownership for York United? Yeah, I don't know too much about it, to be honest. So, so it's hard for me to speak about it, but I'll say that um, it's great that an ownership group is going to come in and um, revitalize the team. Uh, we need a team in that region to do well. We need, teams in the GTA to be represented in the Canadian Premier League. And I think that there's a lot of things to like about that club going forward, that they could be arguably the best team in the in the Canadian Premier League with the amount of resources and the amount of players in that region that you can tap into. There's a lot of things going that, that, that they have going for them. Um, they already have two teams in the province of with Forge of Hamilton and Atletico Ottawa in the nation's capital. It reduces the travel a little bit. There's a lot of things, as I said, that can be positive for them. Uh, and hopefully this is the start of a brand new chapter. Yeah, I, I hope that um, York United uh, finds their finds their uh, good ownership and see how the next chapter goes for York United. And but at least there's another team that is big, is Atletico Ottawa, which... Which came six big drama, and with York United for the battle of fifth, but it was it was kind of 
lots of fans uh, expect that it was not a good performance for Atletico Ottawa. And lots of people usually thought that Atletico Ottawa was going to be uh, the big performer of the team. Um, for me, I thought that Atletico Ottawa for this season was not going to do really well because of the because of their roster for in the in the off season. Mm. So they got rid of Balut Tabla and some other good players, but they did um, have some some good um, good players that they've got from CF Montreal, Jean Arasi, which was a good good one, but um they they brought in a experienced player for, uh Alberto Zabator which was the mid of the season which i think that was too um too late for for Atletico Ottawa and the whole the whole roster um kind of did not i've heard Nathan Ingham basically said in the press that there was no leadership for the team and I kind of agree with that what he said and so what do you think about Atletico Ottawa? Yeah I, I think you got it all right I think the analysis that you mentioned it um, is very accurate you know ultimately they lost to Soko as well it was a big time midfielder for them in 2022 um, their recruitment they didn't get quite right and I think that Atletico Ottawa fans were hoping that the next step would be the evolution of attacking football, that they were more defensive for a reason in 2022, because that was the best route to success. And then the next step forward would be, okay, now let's have a little bit more openness and flu fluent football and, and, and score more goals. And they just couldn't score goals. Uh, they could not score goals properly. Um, and so that very thin, thin line between success and failure was there because the, the teams were always very close. And so when they would give goals away, very often they would turn into losses because they couldn't score. And so, you know, Bassett being their best player, Ollie Bassett, uh, they tried him in different positions in a front three and different things, but ultimately they couldn't get the best out of, uh, out of him and um, the best out of their attack. And they've got a lot of work to do. They just re-signed Carlos Gonzalez to another, another year. And so I think that they will look at pick, putting together pieces to make them a more of a dynamic attacking team. Yeah. And you mentioned Ali Bassett um, has noticed he he's won the golden boots, but it was basically a draw with uh, Bevan with that plays for Calvary FC. And I, I don't think that Ali Bassett didn't have a good performance this season. I think that previous season, he had a great se season. So, it does question for Atletico Ottawa. Um, what's the next uh, uh, step for for the roster for Atletico uh, for the next season? But uh, the bad bad thing about um, Atletico Ottawa, they do um, uh, some of the players are contract expired. One of the uh, key players is Nathan Mingham and Sean Melvin. Their goalies uh, out of contract. A lot of them. Uh, so it is, it is a big uh, signing to try to find good players for Atletico Ottawa, and it is a big, big um, hill to climb to sign players for Atletico Ottawa. So that's a, uh, it's everywhere for Atletico Ottawa who to sign. Yeah, they got the resources of Atletico Madrid. They've got the Spanish connection there. Um, obviously, there's some players that are out of contract that I think would like to be back. Um, you mentioned maybe a couple of the goalkeepers. We'll see where they bring one of those back. So it's one of those where they don't want to rip it up, Jacob. They don't want to dismantle everything and restart. They need to figure out how to keep some of the core there. And as I said, I think find a different way to play and try and open teams up and be more dynamic. If they're going to survive in this league, they've got to score more goals. Yeah, I agree. also agree. But now the expansion team, Vancouver FC, um, kind of a great performance for for them. I, and they do uh, deserve a lot of credit 
so much for expansion team. And this was also the same performance how Atletico Ottawa did when they came. They were seven spots in the Ireland games. And now Vancouver FC did a was, my opinion, the best expansion team they've um in the season. So I I would have to give so much credit how Vancouver FC the coach did. And as note as notice, there's a lot to talk about at Vancouver FC. They're, they're miss. I think people from um, Vanc- that um, don't mention Vancouver FC needs to watch uh, Vancouver FC how they play. Yeah, I agree. They did really well, didn't they? I mean, ultimately, it's never easy. It's an expansion team. They got rid of quite a few players during the season. They recognized early that some of the players they weren't happy with, they need to move on. And there's a bit of turnover, but I think in a positive way. I was just grabbing my notebook there because I wanted to just remind myself and I thought I was right, but they got 16 points, I think, from the last 11 games. And so like, they were, you know, one of the top teams in the league in points in the first 15 minutes of games. They were very, very good in, in, in aspects. Uh, they beat York for their first game at home. They beat Pacific, their rivals, uh, which was so fun to see them be able to do that twice, both at home and away. Uh, they had a lot of positives. James Cameron was nominated as under 21 player of the year, player who was in tryouts at the beginning of the season. Callum Irvin was a fantastic captain. They brought in some players like Vasco Fry, Renan Garcia, Alejandro Diaz, um, Mickey Cantav. They changed the roster on the fly and adapted to the Canadian Premier League well. So I think they're an exciting team to keep an eye on. And like you, I, I, I would not sleep on them for a, a potential playoff spot next year. Yeah, I, when I th- thought about Vancouver FC, if they were last spot, they were not really of a good performance team on on during like the mid ending of the season, but they did did really well to try to catch up. And as noticed that could mention FC Edmonton that they've actually um actually beated Beated the worst performance of of how many points they've made, and Vancouver FC did really well to try to it did well to bounce back, and it went really well to see Vancouver FC. I I, I see a lot of potential of it, and, and see and I. Hope to see um, how next season goes for Vancouver FC and hoping that they make the top five or mostly near fifth spot. Yeah, just to be competitive, right? That's the key. Yeah, and right now I've heard that um, they've they've announced that uh, Sean Hundell will not be in Vancouver FC. And it is a big loss for Vancouver FC because he, he was the uh, li- most liked player uh, for the team. And I'm hoping, hoping, the, hoping the offseason for Vancouver FC um, will be a, getting uh, better players for, for next season. So, yeah. Uh, big credits for Vancouver FC. And now, I would say last place, Valor FC, which, my opinion, the worst uh, worst Canadian Premier uh, worst Canadian Premier League uh, team for this season, didn't do well in the Canadian Championship who lost to a semi-pro team for League One BC, TSS Rovers, and now having troubles with with their tactics in this season. And I do feel sorry about Valor FC. Um, it, it really does question how Valor FC will bounce back 
for the upcoming seasons it, it it's not it does not it doesn't look good for Valor FC because I, I know that Phil Dos Santos he was the coach for the Vancouver Whitecaps and he got fired when they lost to Pacific FC and now he's with Valor FC and he lost to us uh, to TSS Rovers and it does question fan now fans are um I know the whole drama with the fans is that they're not liking Phil DeSantos with with the team so but Phil DeSantos is still staying with Valor FC and it does question of the roster who they're who they're going to get for the next season it it does really question uh how Valor FC is um uh um managing for this team yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, Jacob, no doubt about it. You know, again, they, their big issue, like Athletic Ottawa, is scoring goals. You know, they they had a lot of injuries last year. Andrew Jean-Baptiste, their best centre-back. Raphael Oheen, one of their best midfielders, barely played at all. Oheen just played one game, then got beat in that aforementioned game that you mentioned against TSS Rovers and never played again uh, for the season. He's played one game in the league in two years. Uh, so that didn't help. Uh, when you lose, when you have a thin squad and you lose two of the players like that, um, but they need goal scorers. You mentioned Hundal, maybe he goes there, who knows? But they need to get players who have players who can score goals. And, um, you know, I think I looked at the numbers. They played 28 games last year. And in 22 of the 28 games, they scored one goal or less. You're not going to win many games like that. Yeah, it's not really a good a look it's not really a good look for valor fc it's it's like it's like you're seeing fc edmonton how how they performed or for example atletico ottawa that they came last place and it's not a good look for valor fc it's it's now you try to try to look uh who who is their who they could um, sign for their team. Yeah, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, Philip DeSantis is going to have to work his connections and um, and, and get better, uh, get better players in. And I hope um, this whole whole team um, gets a good, good at managing of signing players. It's where, where, where a place uh, gets, has a big stadium, which IG field, which uh, uh, the capacity of thirty three thousand, but it it lower than that for for games, and it has to get uh, better in in this managing. I hope that Valor FC upcoming season will will be better. And as noticed, Christian Jack, um, it's not a good look from this season. It's. It's always this uh, feeling that hoping the upcoming seasons or maybe the next two seasons or maybe five years will accordingly uh, be better. But it, it won't look better when expansion teams come in, mm. which which I know they're they're looking for in 2025 and 2026 which I know the commissioner said that there's no expansion teams for 2024. And I think 2024 for Valor FC is, might be the time that it has to be a, a playoff spot to find. I agree. I agree. Players. Time, it's time, right? The Winnipeg fans deserve it. And they'll feel like they felt last year they were a playoff team. Uh, and they obviously got that wrong and they've got to keep core players there. And now is the time for them to deliver. And I know that um, uh, the commissioner is is uh, looking for Quebec for for the next years, and I think Valor is on the clock for trying to find good players. But um, and I hope um, Valor FC is gonna do well for it and come back into top four or maybe the. You would say five because that's the 
that's the playoff spots. But I, some fans don't like the five uh, five slots for the playoff seats. But um, I, I think fans um, will get into that uh, that um, playoff uh, structure. Yeah, so, I love the playoff format. I love it in so many ways. Um, the percentage of five versus eight is the same percentage as the ones with the, that allow the amount of teams in Major League Soccer. Um, ultimately, the fifth team has to win four away games that to actually actually come close to what to winning the trophy. It's very unlikely. Uh, it keeps people more competitive. It fuels a more competitive regular season where every game matters, and that's ultimately the 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 I think the key barometer in all of this. So, hoping that the next season is going to be better in the for the Canadian Premier League. And that's full time for the Red Leaf card. I'm your host, Jacob, subbing out.